two weeks ago, I stood here. At this time, it was 3 a.m. currently in Israel. Pastor Yuda would have been asleep. Two weeks later, we are here together and it's good to dwell together as brothers in unity, isn't it? It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Folks, we are at the end of the earth. I know he's still trying to get his time, time clock right. He's still, I think, on Jerusalem time. But it is wonderful to have Pastor Yehuda Bakanah here with us today. Before he comes, I just want to pray the Matovu. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, and your dwellings, O Israel. I will bow down be, be toward the, your holy temple in awe of you. Adonai, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. As for me, I will bow in worship. I will kneel before Adonai, my maker. As for me, my prayer to you, Adonai, is for a time of favour of God in your great love. Answer me with the love of your salvation. Barukata Adonai, Elahenu Melaka Alam, Asher Natan, Lanu Davar, Hakaim, Mashiach, Yeshua. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has given us the word of life, Messiah Yeshua. Amen. We welcome Pastor Yehuda Bakana to the pulpit. Thank you. Please welcome him. Shalom. Good morning. It's a special treat to stand here before you today. And I'll tell you why. The moment I stepped off the plane, landing in Australia, I did not know what to expect. I really did not know what to expect. And the first, the first thing I felt is a hard, heart well, welcome. I felt love. And I think that every place I went to, every church I went to, every gathering I went to, I felt welcome and loved. And I think that's something very unique to Australia. And also to this church. I came in here, I felt loved. And you know why I felt love? One, because you welcomed me. But second is because you have the love of Christ within you. You have the love of Christ within you. And there is something about the atmosphere here in this church. So for me, it's a privilege to stand here. I'm sitting here and I'm overwhelmed with joy. And uh, I guess I should introduce myself. Uh, my name is Yehuda Bachana. I'm married for 17 years. I have three children. The eldest is 13. The youngest is, is five. I was born in Jerusalem, Israel. And my father and his parents were also, they, they were born in Jerusalem, Israel. So um, I had the privilege of, of being raised in Jerusalem. And now I lead a congregation in Jerusalem called Netivia. And Warren, he invited me as part of the group 116 here in Brisbane. 
invited me to this conference which deals with unity. And we need unity. We need unity amongst ourselves. We need unity within our families. We need unity in our congregations and between congregations. And Warren, as it happens to be, he's a lawyer. So he's very precise. He does a lot of research. And he told me, I'm going to love this church. He went through, you know, pages of pages of what you guys are doing. All the good things this church is doing. And as we were going through, you know, all the different activities, I think we were both overwhelmed with the blessings that God poured over this church. So for me, it's a privilege to stand here amongst holy people, amongst you. Which brought me to think, you know, what am I going to talk about today? And I thought about the biggest commandment of all. What is the biggest commandment? What is the commandment? Love the Lord. That's what I'm hearing, a mumble, a growing mumble. Love the Lord. Okay, but... Love others. Okay. They asked Jesus. They came to Jesus. Asked him. Matthew 22. What is the biggest commandment of all? And Jesus, he couldn't give one commandment. He couldn't say one thing. You know, love the Lord. It's not all about Adonai. It's not all about the Lord. But there is a continuance to it. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's Leviticus 19. Love the Lord. That's Deuteronomy 6 from verse 4. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's from Leviticus, at least in Hebrew, Leviticus 19, verse 18. And I thought about sharing a short teaching about the biggest commandment of all. Because Yeshua, Jesus... He couldn't give one answer. There is no one answer. That it would be only half the picture. Only half. And I think this is a Jewish understanding of the scriptures. Because what are the scriptures? Let's go back to the basics. To the very beginning. What is the scriptures? And the Jewish world breaks everything down to four. Not two. Four. Everything is broken down to four. And if you break the God's word into four, so the way we break it as Jews, or Messianic Jews, we break it into do and do not do. So we have the first division of the word of God to what you're supposed to do, commandments you're supposed to do, and then commandments that you're not supposed to do. That's the first division of the word of God. The second division of the Word of God is between laws and decrees. Okay? Laws and decrees. What are laws and what are decrees? That appears in Leviticus 18 as part of the holiness. Okay? God called us to be holy. What does that mean? 
There are about 50 commandments under the requirement of what it takes to be holy. About 50 commandments. Just in you know Leviticus 18, Leviticus 19, and so on. Just 50 crammed in. 50 verses, 50, uh, I'm sorry, 50 commandments on what it is to be holy. Some of them, and this is the second division between laws. What are laws? Laws in the Bible are commandments that make sense. Okay? There are commandments that make sense. For example, not to steal. It makes sense. In every civilized world, in the civilized world, we have those commandments. Not to bear false testimony. Not to covet. You know what? Even to put a king. There is a commandment that God requires us to put a king over us. So, you know, we can translate it to a ruler, to a prime minister, to a president. Those are laws that make sense. The second are decrees. Decrees are actually rules or commandments that not necessarily make sense. For example, observing the Shabbat. Doesn't matter if we translate it to Sunday or Saturday. To keep a holy day for God. It's not necessarily a state law. You can't go to jail for it. But it Decrees that bring people close to God. Okay, so the laws are meant to build a, a healthy society, to be nicer people, to be better people, to be a healthy society, and the decrees bring us closer to God. And you need the combination of that, those. It's not one or the other. It's the combination of them both. You know, in every religious discussion comes the idea of, you know, my grandma was a good person. What, you want to tell me if she was not a believer, she goes to hell? But my grandma is a good person. Isn't that enough? She's a good person. And the answer is she fulfills only half of the word of God. Yes, she's a good person. She keeps what we call the laws. She keeps the laws. She's a good person. But what about the other half that grants her holiness, which are the decrees, which, which, which bring us closer to God? Attend church is one of them. Or a synagogue. Those decrees bring us closer to God and grant us holiness. But you know what? The other half is also important. It's not enough to be a religious person. You, you know, to be a faithful person, to, to have only a connection with God. You know, if we say, well, uh, he was in church all the time. He had a connection with God. He was a good and truthful believer. But the question arises, that's also not enough. So he had all the decrees. According to Leviticus 
18. What about the laws that make you a good person? They make you take care of your surroundings, which also grant a person holiness. It's not enough to be close to God. You also have to be connected one to another. You have to pray one for another. You have to strengthen one another. You have to be good people, good-willed people. So the combination, the combination of them both, not half, the combination of them both, that is what grants us holiness. And that is why Yeshua didn't have one answer, one commandment, but two commandments. It's between us and God and us with our neighbors. And both of them count. Through reading Leviticus, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 19, we go through a long list of, of regulations. I recommend you read them when you have time. What it takes or what it means to be close to God. Some of these regulations mean that we have to help one another in need. You see somebody in trouble? You have to stop everything and help the person. You can't just let something bad happen. You have to stop and help. That's part of the, the rules. Another rule is you can't put a stumbling block in front of a blind person. Okay? That's an odd ruling. What does it mean not to put a stumbling block before a blind person? Well, here, and I recommend that every verse that you read, every story that you read, every parable that you read, try to understand what's behind it. What, what's the story? What, what, is, what are the verses trying to tell you? All right? Let's go to the blind person. Not to put a stumbling block in front of a blind person. What does that mean? It could mean that somebody is actually impaired. Somebody is actually blind. He can't see. And then, you know, somebody puts a, 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 a stumbling block in front of him and, you know, watches, waits for him to fall down on his face and ha, 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 has a good laugh. Well, that's really cruel. Normal people would not do that. That's awfully cruel. In fact, it shouldn't really be in the Bible. It's kind of obvious. But there is an addition to that commandment. It says, fear the Lord. Right after this commandment, it says, you shall fear the Lord. So that makes us think, as Jews, as Jews who believe in Jesus, it makes us think, what is God trying to tell us? And the understanding is, as if somebody comes for you for advice, okay, somebody comes for advice, he is like a blind person, okay? If you don't know the answer, what do you do? You go to a lawyer. 
You go to a friend. You go to somebody that has knowledge because you are blind and you do not know which way to take. You don't know where to walk. You don't know which path to take. And here, the person giving advice has to be careful to give good advice, to give honest advice, and not try to, you know, you go to a lawyer and he tries to make a buck off of you. He gives you bad advice. That is putting a stumbling block before the blind, taking advantage of him. And you know what? In Israel, this is a problem. This is one point that we pray for, to change. Because in Israel, we take advantage of the blind. It's very known that we take advantage of the elderly, you know, telemarketing. The telemarketing is big in Israel. They call the elderly. Try to sell them, you know, items or services they know the elderly don't need or will not use. But they push different services, you know, for self-gain, to get some extra dollars in the pocket. Oh, I got a good deal for you. Why don't you, you know, it's, it's going to be cheaper at the end. Well, yeah, no, it'll be a profit for me. That is putting a stumbling block before the blind. And we have to be careful not to do that. We have to fear the Lord. That's part of holiness as a nation, as a people. So we have to read the Word of God again and again and try to understand the little nuances in the Bible. What does it actually mean? What does it actually say? Because the Word of God is very rich. And we often read it in a simple way. In a very simple way. I'll give you one example. We, I, I mentioned that in Leviticus 18 and 19, one of the commandments to be holy is to stop and help somebody in need. Okay, that's one of the commandments. That what it takes to be holy. That brings us to another parable of Yeshua. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Now the parable of the Good Samaritan is a very simple parable. Very easy. Easy to understand. I mean, we all know it. We all learned it in Sunday school. We've read it a thousand times. But do we really understand what it says? Do we really know what's in it? What is the parable of the Good Samaritan? Tells us of a person going down from Jerusalem. What's in Jerusalem? The temple. Yeah? Where you worship God. Where you worship God. That's in Jerusalem. And this person go, is going down from Jerusalem and he is being mugged. He is being beaten and left half to dead. We don't know. He, is he alive? Is he dead? Is he going to survive? Blood all over him on the side of the road. And Jesus is telling us a story, a parable. Two people are coming down the road. Two people. A priest and a Levite. Why did God or why did Jesus choose 
of all people, a priest and a Levite. Why? Because they represent Israel to show how bad, how nasty, how cruel, how cold-hearted those Jews are? No. He's telling this parable to the Jews. Okay? He's talking to the Jews. It's a question. It's not meant to be easy. It's a complicated question. That's why he, Jesus is telling it in a story. If it was simple, you could just tell a person. But if it's in a story, it causes people to think, to analyze, to understand, okay, what is Jesus actually trying to say? And Jesus picks these, the priest and the Levite, which are going on the street, seeing this person, not knowing if he's alive or dead. Now we see these people, you know, we were... We read it as, okay, they're terrible people. But, this comes as an answer to the biggest commandment of all. You know, what is the biggest commandment? We all said it. Love the Lord and love one another. But what's more important? Which one of them is more important? I, see, I hear some mumbling, not clear. Uh, they're both? Okay, they're both. It's a good answer. It's a good answer. I guess it depends on the circumstances. Okay? Which one is more important? It get, I guess it depends on the circumstances. So, the priest and the Levite, what is their role? To serve the Lord. Okay? They're there to serve the Lord. If they touch blood, or if they touch a dead person, a body, they're unclean. They cannot serve the Lord. Okay? They cannot serve the Lord. So here's the dilemma. What is more important? The priest is thinking to himself, I have a problem here. Maybe you can help me. I have a problem. I'm a priest. I have a role. I need to serve God. That is my role, to serve the Lord. But I have a problem here on the floor. What do I do? If I touch him, if I help him, I cannot serve God. It's a dilemma. It's not that simple as we think. It's not as easy as we think. It's a dilemma. If I touch him, I cannot serve God. So I have to decide. It's a hard question that Yeshua is presenting. It's not as easy as we think. What is the right choice? Are we to serve God? That means not touch this person. If we touch this person, we cannot serve God. If we touch him and go in the temple, we desecrate the holiness. If we go in, if we go as a, as a, as a priest, we go in, Nadav and Aviyu. You know, Nadav and Aviyu, the sons of Aaron. Nadav and Aviyu, they went into the tabernacle, not in holiness. Fire came down and ate them alive. Killed them. You cannot desecrate the temple or the tabernacle of God. As God's presence is in there. So this priest and this Levite, 
are in a dilemma. It would have been easy if it was just a person. If it was just an Israelite, he could help. That's the right thing to do. But a priest or a Levite, that is a dilemma. To serve God or to, ser to serve and help people. Love your God with all your heart. To love your neighbor as yourself. What's the right choice here? We know the right choice because Jesus taught us. It's in, the, it's in the Bible. Jesus answered what would have been the right choice. The right choice in, on this circumstance is to say to God, I'm sorry. Right now I have to take care of your creation. It's not an easy choice, okay? Don't, let's not take it and think this is an easy parable because it's not. But the right choice according to Jesus. I'm sorry God, I have to take care of your creation right now. And I think this is what this church is doing. As I went through everything that you guys are part of, it just, you know, made me go in awe of all the good that you guys are planting. All the good that you are doing on the streets. All the good that you are feeding people. All the good that you are planting churches. So you have both. This church is built on both decrees and laws. You are good people. You are a good church. You're helping, planting, creating, feeding, teaching. And also, you're based on prayer. You're based on songs and praise and worshiping the Lord. So I'm encouraged coming here to church. I'm encouraged. And I'm encouraging you, of course, to continue the good works that you guys are doing. Until now, I had a wonderful time in Australia. Wonderful time in Brisbane. Till now, I've only met good people, goodwill people, with the love of God in them. The love of God and the love of man. So I, I'll just summarize. The way we understand it in the Jewish world or in the Messianic Jewish world, the Bible is not broken into two. It's broken into four. Okay? This Bible has four in it. How four? One of them, commandments we should do, commandments we shouldn't do. So yes and no. And the second set of rules are rules that are between people, between us. And the fourth type of rules are regulations or commandments between us that connect us to God. So you have to have all four spheres to complete the Bible in your life. What to do, what not to do, how to behave, and to come close to God. You need all four spheres. Thank you for today.
Thank you for having me. Thank you, Pastor Judah. Really appreciate you coming. Busy schedule this week, speaking every day, sometimes more than just once. So, so special to have you with us. I'm going to invite the music team to come back. We're going to finish in our final song and then benediction and enjoy morning tea. How can we not sing about the beautiful name of Jesus after this morning? Would you join with us and stand as we sing again? Thank you.
you'd like to hear more of Pastor Judy, you can do that on Saturday, New Hope at Kelvin Grove, sticking around for morning tea this morning, I hope, and make sure that you make him feel welcome. Let's pray together. May you know, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. May the peace of God pass all understanding and may the love of God fill your heart. For Christ's sake, amen.